this episode of the Change Your Game with GTD podcast. As usual, I'm here with Robert Peak, and I am Todd Brown. Uh, our goal in this podcast is to help you to um, get the most out of the Getting Things Done methodology and thereby um, have a life which is uh, as productive as you want it to be, reducing the sources of friction in the ways that you make things happen, and at the same time enabling uh, some mental clarity and enabling the ability to shut off from work when you no longer want to be focused on work. Um, and Robert, as you and I were talking at the beginning of the session, just before you clicked record, um, we were talking about the fact that there seems to have been a little bit of a, uh, a trend in the requests for topics that have come in from our our, um, our listeners and our viewers. And specifically, a lot of people have been asking questions that have to do with GTD in the personal sphere. And uh, I think with the end of the year coming up and the holidays for many people coming up, that that's probably not a bad topic for us. You know, how do you uh, how do you make sure that in environments or in, in situations like the end of the year where you've got so much going on that is not professional, uh, that, you, that you both you as an individual, but also you as maybe a member of your family, um, you know, again, make it through the holidays without any uh, major uh, broken bones or, or hurt feelings, uh, you know, that you get everything that you need to get done, but that it's an, as far as, as possible an enjoyable experience for everyone. So, uh, so maybe, you know, if we, if we start a little bit and talk about the, um, uh, one of the questions that came in, Robert, is I think, uh, I think I'm remembering this right, was to what extent does it make sense to, uh, to share lists? Do I have that right? Yeah, lists and uh, and calendar. Uh, so you know, the, both of those have come up as kind of hot topics, and the particularly the idea of you know in your household, you know, how do you how do you manage uh, different shared calendars or possibly shared lists, you know, independent of of the tool? Is that a good idea? Um, how do you do that? So, initial thoughts. I guess the first the first thought that I have is. Um, just make sure if you're going to share lists or share calendars, um, make sure that the uh, that everybody's got the information that they need. You know that that, that there is, uh, you know that there is the um, they're being informed as they want to be informed. And I think it's also pretty critical that you make sure that the as we as we like to say about a good organizational system that the edges are clean. So that if I'm, for example, if I'm sharing a list of things to do, that it's pretty clear who's going to be doing what. Um, you know, I'm, I'm just reflecting on, on some coachings that I've done over the years with executives and their assistants, right? And quite often in those kinds of environments, we will set them up so that they share uh, reminder lists. Uh, but we also make sure that they're always in a position to, to be really clear about whose responsibility is, is where um, and who's got to do what. Um, I don't know what's what's your experience been in this in this area. You know, I think that's great a great tip both for lists and calendar that you really need to know who owns who owns what. And pretty much in this model, it's either either you own it or you're being informed about it. Um, my wife and I share a calendar, and um, we still heavily make use of the calendar invitation feature because basically the theory there is if it's not on my calendar. It's not really something I've committed to uh, or something that I necessarily need to have in front of me as a really important reminder that day. Um, so as a result, I can toggle off or on the overlay of my wife's calendar, uh, 
and know that that's really um, an FYI type situation. It's called, oh, you have this client at this time, you're going to be out over here on this day. It's information about what she's committed to do. But the place where I have uh, actively booked things on my calendar, um, either I've put those in myself or she's actually sent me an invitation because we're doing something together or it's something we both need to know about. So she's getting it on my calendar uh, via the calendar invitations feature. I think a lot of people don't realize that that's just as useful and applicable in the personal sphere as it, as it is, uh, most people know, in booking meetings in the, in the professional space. So that's, that's something that certainly has helped, uh, helped us to, as you say, create that clean edge you know, around, because I think, I think, you know, the traditional thing is the family has a calendar up on the refrigerator or something, and, and it, usually it's mom, you know, or whoever the more kind of the person is that's at home all the time is scribbling on the different appointments and things. But in the modern day and age, I think you really do need to have more clarity than that about who's doing what, who's committed to what, and who's simply being informed about what the others are doing. Yeah, I think, um, and yeah, as you, as you said that, I, it, what occurred to me was I know an awful lot of, uh, I know an awful lot of domestic situations where it would be, uh, you know, it, it would possibly be the father or, uh, you know, one of the males in the house who was, uh, who was uh, the person who was more organized and spending more time in the calendar. And, you know, I, I think that's really an interesting one. And as you said, you know, some, some families keep a, keep a calendar on the on the fridge, um, that's actually our house. So we have a shared calendar uh, that is actually in paper form. Um, this is kind of my wife's preference. She prefers to work with paper and she's not a huge fan of digital solutions for things. And so what we do is uh, probably every other week, it's not generally a weekly thing, but every other week, we're doing exactly the kind of review that you're talking about, where we're looking out into the future, we're talking about who's going to be where, when, what do we, we need to be aware of, is there anything that's coming up where some preparation is required, and therefore, you know, one of us needs to be taking some actions to, to get prepared for those things. So, so what I find really interesting about it is it, it's a great framework, I think, for generating conversation about where lines are drawn, right, and then who's got what. Um, and then after, you know, after we've had those conversations, the calendar goes back up on the wall. It will have been updated with, you know, Todd's going to be in Frankfurt on these two days and, and Debbie's going to Scotland for these three days or whatever. Um, uh, so we'll, we'll be up to date in terms of the, the the calendar will reflect our upcoming reality, but then we will also then we will have also taken some some next actions into our individual systems, which we then are going to um, uh, you know execute in order to in order to uh, prepare for the things that are coming up in the calendar. So yeah, you know I need to put my hand up and say um, uh, you know even in the 21st century. Uh, that's that's our solution. And by the way, I, I don't think uh, I don't think there's any shame in paper. I think generally speaking, paper has a lot of advantages. You know, I, I pretty regularly when I do seminars, I'll, I'll ask the room, hey, you know, who's um, who, who takes paper to meetings, right? And pretty much every hand in the room goes up. You know, there's there are lots of situations where paper uh, paper is preferable to some of the um, you know to some of the digital solutions that are out there. Absolutely, yeah. Thinking, thinking on one of our core lists that we live and die by. It's a, it's a paper list called groceries, and uh, both of us, you know, it's our responsibility to uh, put put stuff down. You know, when we run out of cumin, cumin goes on the grocery list, and then um, happens to be my wife who does who does the the grocery order. But um, 
you know, that's that's a an example, a classic example of capturing in the moment, right? You know, we're rather than having to kind of inventory the whole, you know, pantry and fridge and whatever else prior to uh, prior to a grocery order, we capture in the moment what we've run out of. And we more recently, we've also started at, on the run up to a grocery order. Uh, putting down stuff to make sure not to get this time, right? So, so we're drowning in pickles or whatever it is, you know, we actually have a not list to just make sure that we don't on autopilot carry over um, some of those frequently ordered items. We, go, oh, we got too much. So yes, and that's all paper and that all works extremely well to make sure that we get the kinds of foods we want with the regularity that we want and need that that to happen in. So that's an example of a shared list that works really well because one of us owns the execution of us, both of us own the collection. Collection and clarifying means pretty self-evident what you know coffee is or cumin or whatever we need. Um, but yeah, absolutely, papers is the perfect uh, the perfect approach for that. I think a lot of times people get caught up in the kind of dazzle of the technology itself, and you can forget that the principles you use for a paper calendar, the principles you use for a paper list, um, you know, whether it's a, whether it's a grocery list or a list of, you know, things to get when you're out and about uh, or any of these other kind of paper manifestation, like the bills to pay go into a tray and you do the bills all at once. These simple physical approaches, uh, the stuff you do there that works well really does apply equally to all of these fancy digital see it six ways and you know four different views in 3d vr with your whatever um the principles apply there just as well so if you have one of my tips if you have any paper-based lo-fi simple approaches that are working for you well hey carry on with those but also see if you can deconstruct why those are working and make sure you're doing just the same things in, in the, the high-tech approaches as well mm. Yeah, you know, as you're talking about it, um, the other thing that I'm that I'm reminded of is that we we also make use of of you know there there are loads of tools, uh, many of them free, uh, some of them which are um, you know which are which are pay a little bit sort of tools which enable you to uh, to have shared calendars in uh, you know in the cloud, uh, and we do actually make use of some of those as well for trying to coordinate calendars. Uh, among several members of of our family, of our, our extended family, so that provides us with one place to go to find out, you know, what are what are the arrangements for, um, you know, for this or that, this or that uh, family activity, and that works that works really well for us as well. Um, it does mean though, and this is I think always one of the tensions in anybody's GTD system, is how many places do you need to look. Right, in order to find the information that's that's helpful for you, I think one of the one of the big uh, uh, ahas for a lot of people in the work that we do is the fact that we recommend really getting very serious about consolidation of reminders. Right, so I don't want to, when I'm ready to go and be productive, I don't want to have to look in eight different places to find reminders. Right, that's just uh, that'll be frustrating. It'll take a lot more energy than it needs to. Um, and I'm unlikely because not all the reminders are in the same place. I'm unlikely then to have the confidence that I'm focused on the right thing, right? So, so we do spend a lot of time talking about about consolidation and having a, a core system that, that that is in a place wherever that is, whether it's digital or physical. Um, so again, I, I mentioned we've got this this web-based shared calendar, which works very well for us. But it, but it's also the kind of thing that you can't. 
as soon as you've got any element of your organizational system, uh, any new element, that you, you need to make some commitment to reviewing it on a regular basis, right? Because any any element of your system that that you don't look at just causes stress. It, it, it creates stress. It doesn't relieve it. So, so um, yeah, I guess that's a little bit of uh, that's a little bit of good news for those folks who are just thinking, yeah, enough about the paper. Let's talk about the digital world. Um, but but a little bit there about the trade-off. Again, make sure you're you're reviewing everything appropriately. Absolutely, I think that's a really important point to review it and to review it potentially with the others involved, right? So that you have some kind of point of check-in. This dovetails a little bit into, um, you know, one of the questions we got was about GTD in the household and specifically, how do you handle non-GTD partners? You know, people that, that haven't been um, inculcated, inducted into um, the, the heady ranks of GTD practitioners. And I think one, one big key is reviewing together. So if your systems are tight, if you're tracking things, having that opportunity to come together um, with your other half or halves or whatever fractions, the, the, the household, and to review, just as you said you were doing with, with the calendar. Um, a few other kind of key points where you can effectively manage your own GTD practice and support the household without having to, you know, um, without having to inflict or mandate or try and get others to do the GTD thing with you. Um, I think basically it comes down to you need to keep you need to keep a waiting for list, that's good. You need to keep probably a projects delegated list, that's good. And you need to keep an agendas list and have those frequent opportunities to check in, how's it going with this, that, or the other. Those, you know, really armed with those, you know, your colleagues, your partners, anyone around you can be, you know, not necessarily doing GTD or doing it in the canonical, precise way that you're doing it. And you can still get really good outcomes and you can still manage to work as a team because that's basically one of the one of the functions of a family is to be a team just like just like uh, your colleagues are, are part of your team um again without necessarily having to have a fully you know fully fledged dtd system amongst every every other member i don't know if you what's been your experience with non i don't know if you have any non gtders left in your <laughs> <laughs> if, if your aura oh, of GTD evangelism has just engulfed <laughs> everyone in your wake, but uh, what's what's your experience if you have any of that? I, I think uh, well, first off, absolutely. You know, there are people in my there are people in my family, uh, in my extended family, who have you know are aware obviously of what GTD is about and 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 have um, you know, heard of it, and you know, by no means have, has everyone in my family. Uh, been required or been interested in, in implementing GTD, but coming back to your point, I think I think you're right. A, a really important question to ask is if I've got somebody in my world, whether it's my partner, whether it's a colleague, who isn't um, doing GTD, as it were, you know, isn't isn't um, okay with kind of the, the language and the concepts, um, then then how do I arm myself in a way that makes sure that I can at least have the confidence that I'm interacting with them in the most effective. Right. So that's that's kind of one thing. But I think the other thing that you can consider is, as it were, bringing GTD into the shared space in ways where you don't have to you know, give everybody a copy of the book and require that they read it. You can just introduce some some elements, I think, of a shared system that would that would come across as common sense and unobjectionable. Right. So one thing we see. One thing we see quite often is is a shared projects list for a team, right? And and quite often those are kept in 
in you know some sort of shared technologies in a corporate environment that that's set up on a server somewhere. Um, but you can have the same kind of thing, of course, at the family level, right? You can have uh, a shared projects list, and that's not to say that um, that's not to say that. Um, uh, you know that, that you spend every mealtime, uh, you know, with a with a furrowed brow and and talking about status on the various projects, but but in my experience, it can be a really, it can be a, a tremendously stress relieving activity, simply to sit down. You know, start with a joint mind sweep. Don't call it that, but just you know, take your beloved by his or her elbow and and uh, and walk around your house and identify the things that need doing. Right? So just just a, a physical uh, scan of your environment and then sit down with that armed with that uh, list and just uh, agree who's going to be doing what. Right. And I found in a lot of cases, and this has been in coachings primarily, that that kind of activity has been really, really helpful. And again, you don't need to be saying, well, what we're doing now is capture. And then later we're going to clarify and then we're going to have a project list, which is part of organize. And here's what best practice and organize looks like. Again, I think, you know, probably very few people would would uh, push back on the idea that agreeing what needs to be done in the house and who's responsible for it is a, you know, is a, very few people would say that's an unreasonable activity or that's something that's not worth doing. Um, and by the way, I'm not saying that it's not, that, it, that it's um, necessarily friction-free, some of those conversations, but it can bring out, I think, some very helpful ideas and, and agree roles and agree um, you know, it can it can um, help us to figure out. Uh, you know, if someone is feeling like they're doing too much, you know, may, well, maybe that needs to be addressed. So it's again, it's like a lot of what we do. We get into in GTD. It's it's a um, uh, you know, it's it, it's not for the faint of heart on the one hand, but at the same time, as I say, th this allows you to sort of get some of the benefits of <clears throat> excuse me <clears throat> of GTD into the into the home, as it were without having your, uh, you know, your partner or whoever it is, your other family member, feel as though they've been hit over the head with it. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's, that's a, a big key with, with all of this is, um, you know, uh, not, maybe not curbing your enthusiasm, but certainly channeling it in practical ways. And I like, you know, I really like what you said about understanding the shared responsibilities, because it is a natural extension. It is a very practical, common sense thing. Families all the time decide at a very tactical level who's picking up the kids or walking the dog, right? And so this is just saying, can we bump it up a bit? My wife and I do this all the time. It's like, you know, who's who's driving the the, the tax filing this year? You know, we're, we're going to file together. And, you know, can, can we have someone on point about this one? And you'll come to me when you need stuff and you'll make sure it gets over over the finish line. Um, and that's it's perfectly fine. It's just as kind of normal to us these days to say who owns this project as it is to say what all families do, which is who owns this particular discrete activity, like being somewhere at a certain time or fixing a meal or repairing, you know, repairing the bathtub. So we're constantly, I think, negotiating and deciding who owns what at the action level already in all families. But I think it's a really great uh, opportunity to extend that up to some of the more multi-step or longer-term things, and say, "Hey, you know, can you can you kind of drive this one and pull me in as needed? Try it. You know, it may be it may be totally weird in your in your family culture. It might be, wow, you know, this actually really helps so that I understand what I what I'm on point about, 
and I'm not, you know, assuming the other person is the one on point about it. And we're both kind of, <laughs> we're both in a waiting mode or something like that. So yeah, I think I'm a guessing. lot of this is common sense, common sense extended, if you like. Yes. Yeah. So, so, so tell us, so when the uh, tax project comes up, do you fight over who gets it? I'm, oh I yeah. Who gets, who gets that one? On yeah. That. yeah. Oh, it's, yeah. That's a very popular project for us to take on. Yeah. We, <laughs> we, we have to alternate each year because, you know, otherwise it's not fair. The person that doesn't get to do it that year feels really, starts completely, to feel really completely yeah. understand. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Well, look. With so, um, I know we're kind of coming to the end of the end of time at this point, Robert. What, what would you, if you were going to um, make some recommendations to somebody? And again, let's let's keep the season in mind, right? When we're coming to the end of the uh, coming toward the end of the year, anyway. Um, you know, what would you be recommending to people in terms of how they? Um, let's imagine that they're sort of starting from scratch, right? That they haven't really implemented any of this in a shared way, um, but their goal was, yeah, I want to get through the holiday season, you know, uh, in the, in the, in the most pleasurable way possible. Um, what, what would be some sort of top tips, first things to think about, first things to try? Yeah. Well, I think the first thing is, you know, get a, get a piece of paper and just individually see what's stressing you out. You know, is it gift giving this year? Is it preparing an event or a, or a meal for friends? Is it, you know, because this is a potentially, you know, a bit of a pressure cooker time for some people. Relieve a little bit of that individually by getting it out, by doing a little bit of a mind sweep and going, okay, what's what's on my mind? Then from there, you might encourage the people around you to do the same or similar and just kind of bring it all together in a, in a big pot. You know, you just kind of say, okay, well, these are our outcomes. These are the things we all agree we want to have happen this year around the holidays and around the end of the year and whatever doing can we can we make some agreements about who's kind of on on point for what that doesn't mean you're doing it all but it means you're kind of looking after it and bringing the rest of us in as needed to make those things work it's amazing how often families just kind of operate on default you know it's like well you know um so and so did it last year we're just going to assume and roll over so make that conscious make it conscious what has your attention um, what has others' attention, and see if you can bring the group attention together in a way that feels fair, that feels conscious, that feels like you are acknowledging that, hey, there's a bunch of projects here. There's a bunch of stuff to do. It's going to be fun. It's going to be wonderful. It's going to be, you know, connecting and celebrating and all of that. But we also want to know who's, who's doing what, who's on point for the logistics of it all. And I think, you know, that's a, that's a really good observation that <clears throat> that part of what what um, I think is important is that people are recognizing not just what not just who has responsibility, but also for each thing, but also what does the desired outcome look like? Right. So what is the project in GTP term? You know, is the project that we've uh, you know, we've made it all the way through to uh, the 2nd of January. Uh, everybody's really had a great time, reconnected, enjoyed whatever activities they enjoy, you know, paint, I guess what I'm getting at is paint, paint as vivid a picture as you can of what a positive outcome would be. Um, and that, and that, you know, as you, as you said there, that can be a really interesting, I think, uh, co-creation kind of activity, right? What would, what would good look like rather than um, just sort of, okay, well, we know, you know, the gift giving holidays are coming up and New Year's Eve's coming up and all of that. And uh, it's been stressful in the past and we're just going to be worried and stressed about it now. If we start to focus a little bit more on 
what would this look like if it was a great experience? Um, that'll help to ensure that it's more likely that that's what the experience is, right? It will be, um, it's not a guarantee, but it's, but if you start to say, well, this is what I would like the, you know, our, our family dinner to be like, then the chances are better that it will be like that. Yeah. And just as in, you know, in a team setting, when you open that up, what's our vision here? You get buy-in right away. You know, it's not, you know, it's, there's, it's a lot harder to be begrudging about anything or to criticize anything when early on everyone's pitched in their bit about what we want this year. So yeah, I think it can be very powerful. Well, thank you all for joining us for this episode of the Change Your Game with GTD podcast. Um, Again, as always, if you have suggestions, topics you'd like us to, to talk about, uh, we've, we've in the last year or so uh, talked many times about topics that have been suggested by our, our listeners and our viewers, and we're very happy, as I say, to, to take requests. So be, please do be in touch. Um, from, from me and from Robert, thank you very much for being with us, and we'll look forward to being with you next time.